Hello and welcome to the Eurowhat, episode number 88 for the week of June 15th, 2020. I'm Ben Smith and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey Mike. Hello. And our special guest, Chris King. Hey Chris. Hey Ben. Hey Mike. We are a group of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest and this week we'll be talking about a specific 12 minutes from the 2007 edition. Chris, welcome back to the program. Thank you for inviting me back despite my... Uh lack of knowledge and general ignorance about most things, but I appreciate coming back here one more time. It is, it is our pleasure, and we had a topic where, where that specific level of non-Eurovision knowledge seemed particularly apt. So thank you for, for coming and joining in our madness once again. <laughs> it's countries and music, which, but it's not country music, which is all very fair. But I do, I do as a geography, having a geography degree and a general appreciation of music, Eurovision is a nice fit, so I'm very glad to be back. So, Chris, since we, we last had you on the program, you have now started a program of your own called Into the Questions. Yes. Uh, so I am a currently the host of a show called Called Into Questions. Uh, during this quarantine, I have been uh, stuck in my uh, in my home, and I was hosting uh, trivias uh, twice a week, every, uh, every week here in Columbia, South Carolina. But because that has taken a break, I have decided to start doing a little series where I invite friends that I know to come on to a Zoom chat and we write questions for each other and see how what each other's what each other knows. And uh, I was lucky enough about a month, about six weeks ago. Has time well, time is meaningless, like, Chris? What? It doesn't matter when we write. Yeah, that was only six show. weeks ago. <laughs> I it was probably late April or mid. It was a while. It was a while ago. It's fine. Time is, is a flat uh, circle. Is, it's meaningless. But but no. Luckily enough, uh, both you, uh, Mike and Ben, came on to my show, and we we get to choose a special specialty subject uh, besides a general knowledge game. And for a unknown reason, Mike and Ben chose the category of Eurovision, and I got to ask them some questions about the subject of Eurovision, which they did very well. As I. Uh, thought they would, so it was uh, a good. It was good flexing on y'all's part, getting some good questions right about Eurovision. Yeah, it was really interesting to have like a different kind of game show experience. Uh, not that I've been on any game shows, but just the way that like American game shows are structured. It, it's um, I don't know, kind of glitzy, flashy, what have you. And th- this kind of felt more in the s- style of like the British like panel shows and quiz yes. shows. Where oh, it's... yeah. Yeah. Because as, as someone who's been watching a lot of QI lately, it was much more in the conversational style of that. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that like I, what I was shooting for is because like so much of when you go like a, when you go to a bar quiz, you have it's very it's, it's, it's much more rapid. And yeah. since that, as Ben points out, time is meaningless. There's no reason not to just like have good thinking sessions about questions. And I and I enjoy, you know, trying to put that on and having people really work out a question. Like you see, you know, the same the same reason why you hear people that will work two hours solving a crossword puzzle. You know, that, that some people that like a crossword is their Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to have like a good uh, stimulating activity where it is trivia, but it's not the rapid quick fire of just seeing, you know, the, you know, the muscle memory type. It's really having the problem solving, working together, good discussion, like really taking what a lot of people enjoy about going to a bar and playing trivia, you know, hanging out with friends and, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, but really seeing how far you can push that. And so our episodes are, to put it gently, long and, uh, Two hours is probably the the shortest we run, 
But uh, but no, it's very fun. Like I said, I enjoy seeing people over over Zoom and just seeing people's faces because uh, I am living here solo right now, mm. and so it's good to have some good sessions of trivia like that. And like I said, y'all answered some very difficult things. Y'all asked some very difficult things towards me, and it was uh, extremely exciting. And I uh, hopefully, if we ever, you know, even if we go back to normal at some point, I do kind of hope to continue this series in some way in the future because it has been a very fun, you know, playing this. Uh, with folks and i listen thank you all for coming back on doing that game it, w- it was a blast yeah thank you so much for having us and it really allowed uh i don't know was kind of the gateway for uh my husband and i to really start exploring uh different game shows uh that are on youtube uh particularly like the british quiz shows like we were talking about uh we've uh been burning our way through only connect which has been a lot of fun and uh we i think the first one that we checked out after uh we recorded our episode uh, was pointless, uh, which I'd heard about before. Where for folks who are listening who aren't familiar with the format of that show, it's kind of the reverse of Family Feud, where you're like they ask a hundred people a question and you're trying to find the least popular correct answer. Sort of. I don't know if I'm really describing it the best way. That's but. how when I just tell people about pointless, I call it Smart Family Feud, where instead. Instead of calling it a survey of a like a question like, you know, name something you would find in an attic, it'll be a question like, uh, name a country in Africa. And so, and the idea is that you want to have a, the, the most, the most, the answer the fewest people of a hundred person survey got right. So you can imagine Egypt would be a very high scoring answer, while a country like, we'll just say Rwanda would be a much lower answer than, than Egypt, for example. Yeah. And that, that one's, it's fine. Like it's it's not my favorite of the ones that we've checked, just because it's it's a li- it can be a little slow. I'm I'm kind of surprised it's a 45 minute show, but it does have that element of like teams of two working together to just try to figure out, uh, in a very conversational way. Like, all right, what what would be the best answer here? And uh, they also have a celebrity version, and they recently had uh around the time that uh Europe Shine a Light aired, uh, they did a pointless celebrities Eurovision edition yes and i uh, i was able to watch it and it was uh, involved people that weren't just from the united kingdom there were people that represented uh the united kingdom and ireland as well as a couple of swedish people mm-hmm. which i was very it was like huh i didn't realize that uh, swedish singers would be up for a british game show but sure enough they did and uh also mike you need to be watching pointless in 1.25 speed on youtube or you're not living right because that's the way to correctly enjoy Pointless, a fantastic show other than the Arise of 45 Minute Show that could be a little bit faster. Yeah, so. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because, um, yeah, we're watching it through uh, YouTube on the Switch, and I don't know if there are gotcha. speed options on there, but I, I will have to check gotcha. that out. So, <laughs> if there is, yes, that's a strong pro tip is watch Pointless in 1.25. Excellent. There you go. <laughs> ben, did you get a chance yeah. to watch the Eurovision Pointless? I, I did, and it was the first time I had watched an episode of Pointless, so like I had oh, okay. to sort of figure out what was going on as it, as it was happening. But it's a British game show. It's I I like the that there is sort of the strategic element. It's not just trivia. It's trivia with sort of strategy of going. Okay, we know multiple answers. Do we go for the big obvious one, even if it's going to get less points, or do we try to pick something that might be completely off the board? But if it is, it's going to get us a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, the during the episode, one of the, there's four podiums of you know, of, of two, four pairs of people, and one of the pairs was two members of the uh, Eurovision 
winning squad uh, Bucks Fizz. And uh, unfortunately, they did not do so well in round one and were eliminated after round one. And uh, I was wondering, as uh, admirers of all of the of the other Eurovision uh, winners, did this surprise you? Did this shock you of that the uh, Bucks Fizz did not, uh, they fizzled out? <laughs> um, so my takeaway was, even though I think at least one of them had been on the show before, kind of gave off the air that they have never seen the show before <laughs> so and i kind of felt that way with like most of the people playing which is understandable like uh if if you're a celebrity you may not have time to sit around to watch game shows i don't know but um i mean on the other I, hand, like there's a specific tier of celebrity in britain where like your job is just that you go from panel show to panel show and i would mm-hmm. like to know how to get onto that career track yes yes Man, what a what a life that is. Uh, Mike, you're certainly not wrong about people that don't understand the rules. I would say that, I would say probably every celebrity living in America knows the rules to Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Not saying they'd be good at it, but everyone knows the game and how the game is played. Mm-hmm. But there, I have, I, as a frequent pointless watcher and the pointless, celeb, pointless celebrities uh, watcher, there's definitely people that their agent was like, you know what would be fun? Going on this game show. And they never took any time to learn the rules or like how the wordplay of the show works. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, you, you, this, all right, well, at least you were going for charity and that's all good. Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, the important thing. But it's like, yeah, I would have tried to look at what the rules were before I got there. Yeah. So that way you wouldn't be so embarrassed on yeah. TV. But that's, <laughs> You know, that's me, but Bucks Fizz, they seem to have a good time. Yeah, and, uh, yeah they, they, and, and they like, took it in stride. And, and yeah, it would they, not be the UK talking about Eurovision without trotting out Bucks Fizz one more time. Mm-hmm. No. Or and, finishing uh, in absolute last place. Sorry. Oh. I do. It was it was a it's a good episode and it was I a said, good episode I and like was... I thought I thought that they did sort of a nice variety of people because you had Dana and Suri, you had Mons and I'm blanking on who they put Mons with. Uh, Niam from uh, yes. Ireland. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You had Mons and Niam, and you had uh, you had Jade, who has done their best for the UK in recent memory, and mm-hmm. uh, John Lundvik, who, in addition to doing very well for Sweden, also wrote the UK entry last year. So that's probably why he was there. Is that the UK like him? Yeah, and Mons has hosted the uh, UK You Decide show uh, along with Mel from uh, Great British Bake Off, baking show, bake off, whatever, whatever the British version of, of that whatever title the, is. Whatever the correct name is. Yes, yes, GBBO, there we go. Uh, bake Off. We'll have a link to uh, this particular episode in the show notes, and yeah, like, I think all of Pointless is on YouTube. I'm sure these aren't uh, uh, up there uh, legitimately. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we should be keeping it under our hats. But yeah, there's a lot of content out there that uh, is just there to nerd out and veg. So, <laughs> I mean, no joke. I don't think the BBC is terribly worried about making money off of their panel shows and game shows mm-hmm. after they've aired on BBC. It's not like they're, you know, primetime dramas and things like that. Right. So. If you if you need some good quarantine binging, there are a number of comedy panel shows and British trivia game shows that are on YouTube for you to watch, and it is some good watching. I highly recommend you know have taking the time, getting learned about some you know ha- having a laugh with some of these 
with the other panel shows and learn something new with the quiz shows. Very good stuff on YouTube for free. It's great. What and if you click right on now? enough of them, the algorithm like will just keep serving more of them up to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. That is correct. Elsewhere in Eurovision news, as of as of today, like one finally the news cycle is on schedule with our schedule, Mike. Uh, we now know the 2021 20, dates for Eurovision, and it's going to be May 18th, 20th, and 22nd of 2021, theoretically. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and uh, they had a refund window a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you had bought tickets for this year's show and you were just like, nope, I'm not even going to bother with next year, uh, you could uh, exchange your tickets for a refund. And uh, only 4% of folks took advantage of that window, uh, which actually seems kind of high now that I think about it. It does, it. It does like, feel kind of high, but like, yeah, because like at this point, if like it, I have tickets to this now, like I am... I'm sitting in my house for the rest of the year, basically, as I, mm-hmm. I want something to look forward to. I get that. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be another refund window. Uh, it's uh, That date hasn't been announced yet. But I imagine they're also still going to have the same like reseller program uh, that they had this year uh, in place uh, when, once more details are figured out. Because that's the other difficult thing. Uh the, uh, the Dutch government isn't allowing any like, major gatherings until there's a vaccine available or at some other alternative. So uh, all of this is uh, with an air of fingers crossed, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we have dates to work toward, look forward to, or at least develop a plan B or C or D or wherever we're going to be at that point. Oh, it just seems so far away and mm-hmm. yet so soon, and yet you know? So soon. <laughs> it's been another great two weeks of revisiting the past. And in one case, the very recent past uh, with Eurovision again, uh, a couple weekends ago, we went back to 2018. Yeah, it was interesting to go back to one that was so recent. Like mm-hmm. 2016 felt really 20, recent. Yeah, 2016 but... felt like farther away. Like yeah, I was more excited to revisit 2016 than I was to 2018. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. fine. It was fine. I liked, I liked having a chance to go back and go. Yes, the 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 weird fake power outage during Valane does feel really bad in retrospect. Yeah, that that one. Well, I mean, it was really bad, like in the moment. Uh, speaking from experience, uh, I can link to the episode where we talked about that. And I think that was the other thing that was weird about it too. Where it's like, oh, this is one where we were a podcast then what what is going on yeah so it's just like it really didn't feel distant enough you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a nice one for seeing everybody's like memory everybody on twitter's memories of being there mm-hmm. as things mm-hmm. were playing and people going oh this reminds me of acts in portugal and this reminds me of why but yeah yeah as, and- com- compared to like watching 1991 and everybody just immediately get on the side of mr nafe Yes. During, during the scoring. <laughs> just oh, just immediately Nate. attaching ourselves to a man that we, we have never seen before. And then getting to see him again this <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they uh, did the 1988 contest where, uh, oh, what's her name? Who won? Canadian? Yeah. Uh, um, not Lara Fabian. No, uh, no, not, the no, not one. that one. Not one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it'll come to me. Chris, do you know? Yeah. Uh, it's Alanis. No, 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 nope, nope, not her. Um, no. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Hope she did well after the, yeah, the show. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, no. This is it, it was very weird because this is the last Eurovision before I was alive as a person. 
<laughs> I was thinking about that as it was airing. It's like, well, let's see. I was almost, I would have been five at the time, like not yet in kindergarten uh, when this would have happened. Well, yeah, um, like this aired the day after my birthday this oh, year. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Where, and like in, when it aired in like actual time, was would not have, would have been very close to be existing as a person, but, but also not. Yeah. Uh, well, ha- happy belated slash early birthday well, no, in this like there weird was, there quantum was, leap there, scenario we're in now <laughs> there was a fun moment on twitter uh where someone was like this is the 33rd eurovision song contest and somebody who had just turned 32 i was like am i secretly 33 have i oh, had this yeah. wrong for years <laughs> like, no no it's fine the first one is the first one yeah. anyways somebody also pointed out that, that this was as far from uh the start of eurovision as we are from this one and that was kind of a weird moment Ooh. on twitter just like Oh man, time is a flat circle. Wow. Uh, I immensely enjoyed the stage design of this, and I highly uh, agree with whoever on Twitter suggested that we should that some that some national file should steal this stage design. Uh, uh, I don't know. It didn't really work for me. It, it looked very Tron. Like I, I like the color scheme of it, but the three, the faux three dimensional thing, it was just kind of messing with my brain. Uh, oh, I, I loved the op art aspect of it. Of yeah. Just that. Yeah, I, and then just like the, the era where we couldn't do big LED screens yet, but we could stack like 24 screens on top of one another to make one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Technology was good back in the yeah. day, that's for sure. With the yeah, stacking TVs like that, that's funny. Just uh, it, it, it was were... very Walmart television section, nineteen ninety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when when y'all were rewatching it, who were you hoping that was going to defeat Celine Dion? Like, who did you? Who were you thinking? Like, oh, maybe they have a chance to win, knowing they weren't. But like, did you did you did you have any like gut wanting like maybe? Maybe they'll somehow surprise us all and they'll actually be the winner this year. Well, I mean, the, and... the voting for Eurovision, again, has been very interesting to see what years people are very clearly voting for the winner to win again. And like this one, I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's got to be Celine. It's got to be yeah. Celine Dion. Uh, but uh, I did not realize in the scoring for this one that it was so close. Yeah, that was a very exciting scoring sequence. <laughs> like and, and it Chris, came down you... to Yugoslavia as the last vote givers. Yeah, so to uh, catch you to catch you up on this, Chris. So Celine Dion won Eurovision by one point, that's and fantastic. with three countries yet to give their scores, the UK was in enough of a lead where, as long as they got seven points, they were going to be the winner. And then the the what? next country voted and gave them zero points. Hmm. That's fantastic. And then you get down to that... Yugoslavia, and Yugoslavia is, is has to give all their points for, starting from the, their one point, their two point, their three point. They get to their six points, and they give it to you to Switzerland, and everybody goes, "Oh man, uh, it's gonna like, it's over. Switzerland is not going to win. It's gonna be the UK." Except the UK also does not get points from Yugoslavia. No, and that's I mean that that's like the, the a weird odd joy you can have from watching old events is somehow you're still surprised of the winner even though you knew it going into it a thing but you're watching like the scoring take place and you know like could is something gonna happen here and it like ends up being i mean you know destiny fulfills itself by being history well, yeah and like but, uh, yeah and like well going into this i'm watching with three countries left to go and going well i know that switzerland wins but how Right, and it's like you're you're somehow shocked that what you've always known is correct, and it's like, oh, well, there you go, and that's that's exciting. I come from behind when, despite the fact it was uh, more than twenty years ago, more than th- more than thirty years ago. So that's uh, 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, Anyways, so. <laughs> uh, there's there's video on YouTube of just the song, and like I found one that has the the intro where like they took her to a peat farm. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was a fun one to watch, and yeah, uh, Eurovision again is going on for two more weeks, and then uh, they're also doing some behind the scenes uh, stuff that they're going to be revealing on their Twitter. So yeah, it's it's been fun going through this like memory well not not necessarily memory lane since so many of these have been new Euro, so these euros new vision for me us, but yeah but uh yeah this has just been fascinating as like historical documents uh mm-hmm. <laughs> to borrow a phrase from galaxy quest so <laughs> anyways so to get to the main topic of our program today since that also came out of eurovision again chris we wanted to bring you in because while we were watching the 2007 contest, and then later when we talked with Rob Holly, who is the organizer of Eurovision again, one thing that came out of our conversation was uh, Mike and I had not realized that two of the acts that we knew were from 2007 were immediately one after the other. And, and then we realized that immediately after those two is another one that we have lovingly joked about on the program before. And again, all, th- all three of those happened one after the other thanks to random ordering as they did it in 2007. And we thought that was like a great little microcosm of this is what Eurovision is. This is this is sort of a great I, way to introduce to someone who is not familiar with the show. This is sort of the the high all of the highs and one of the lows. It's truly fantastic looking at cuz you know this uh today's clip is you know today's segment is you know three songs out of the you know the full uh it was 24 this is 24 in this case but to have just like those three consecutive songs uh i went i went to the, the the three songs uh fairly blind i was not aware of who won that years or you know any of the really the histories of these of the performers and uh this was it was it was truly a roller coaster uh as as most things are and it was uh it was great if you had to if you had to show somebody a neat tightly edited package that 12 minutes would takes care of a lot of it that was uh man what three three songs were, were sung that is definitely for sure and uh, <laughs> i look i look forward to talking I mean, about with, talking about them like the one thing that i regret about that 12 minutes is that it does not give you any lordy or, or just like just it, it maybe it doesn't really show you just like how goth finland had gone with that year's eurovision but other than that like it's just like a very good little 12 minutes of concentrated eurovision power but Finland was uh, in their postcards was definitely representing the, the native country and showing all kinds of things that were fun. Christmas lights, the man himself, Santa Claus. Uh, that, that was something that I wanted to touch on because uh, I wanted to like look up when this contest was held. It was on May 12, 2007. And then I also wanted to check what the average weather is uh, on May 12th and it's like usually 42 to 55 degrees uh, from what I could tell so um, I'm not sure why there was such a Christmas theme <laughs> to so much of the contest. I mean in, in fairness <laughs> Father Christmas was not preparing toys with elves he was playing chess with a moomin so it's his off hours. Yes. <laughs> he's, ha- he's having a day. Yeah <laughs> were either of you familiar with moomins before before this clip? Um, I was, but that's just because I saw them somewhere on Twitter and was like, what are these? Um, okay. They're, they're, they're Moomins. They are beloved children's characters from Finland. I think I've seen that picture, but I didn't really know what it was from. I think I've just seen 
like you know European cartoons before. But I, now that I like, I saw that thing and was like, maybe it was a mascot for the town. Mm-hmm. The same way you know Japanese cities have you know individual city mascots. Right. I didn't realize this was. I didn't realize this was like their Smurfs or Tintin or something like that. You know. Right. Yeah. Because uh, when when Rob was on the show talking about uh, the 2007 contest and he just mentioned it in passing. Uh, I thought it was an audio blip on my end. And just like, is he saying humans? Like, what? what is that? And then, like, <laughs> trying to be like, wait, what is that animal? And then, like, looking it up, it's like, what's a moomin? And then right, yeah, whereas I'm just like, yes, just the like, moomins. Yeah, and it's like, I still don't have an answer to my question. <laughs> and I've, like, gone to their official website and just like, I still don't know. But, uh, and, like, why, like, why did it turn into a uh, Bergman film? Like, it was just, that, that postcard... I think is art, but it's well, art yeah. Like I, do I feel not like the thing I the thing that was so weird about the fin- the finished postcards is that I kept looking for a theme and like there wasn't really one, or else the theme was life is chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should start with Serbia's entry Molitva because that's the that's the first part of our three entry uh, set. So, Chris, what what were your thoughts on the performance, the song? Read, read us your notes. Uh, so. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so when I was coming, I have uh, now that I've done this is my third time being on the show. I have seen a uh, a range of different performances uh, through the, through the years of Eurovision, and you know, I'm never 100 percent sure what to expect with any given one. And I was extremely pleased. I was like, wow. This is this is very good. Uh, it was, uh, I think, you know, that was it was just a good, you know, heartfelt power ballad type song. You know, uh, you know, using their using their time well. Not very gimmicky, and I just it was a very you know you could really tell there's a lot of thought and heart went into it, and hearts literally with their with the hand with the hand uh, things they were doing. I thought that was they were also wearing. Uh, they were in the heart army. It looked like cause they were wearing uh, red sashes and uh, a, a medal of valor in the shape of a heart, which was beautiful. They were all soldiers in the in the war of love. And uh, but no, I I was uh, I thought it was a really really nice song, and I uh, I am not shocked that it did well in that years. That was Serbia's first go at Eurovision as an independent nation. Uh, in pr- in previous years, was Ser- like was Serbia? I mean. I mean, now obviously there were two countries and they, you know, split off. Was were most of the uh, performances like sung in Serbian, or they sung, or were they in like? Well, prior prior to two thousand seven, they were uh, Serbia and Montenegro. Um, right. We have we have discussed Montenegro in the past. I have a soft spot for the uh, the Montenegrinese who you know perform at the, at the Eurovision because they seem to have. Lovely mountain shots every single time I've ever seen any of their clips, which y'all have shown me, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. And uh, I mean, I, I mean, Serbia has probably, you know, I don't want to say monopolize. They probably monopolized at some point. Yeah, you know, if they were singing in a foreign, if they were singing in a language, it probably was. Uh, yeah, uh, Serbia has almost exclusively performed in Serbian, with a few exceptions where they like there have been three years where they performed in English, but for the other other than that, in their twelve appearances, it has just been Serbian all the way. Yeah, uh, pre when it was Serbian Mart- uh, Montenegro, uh, two thousand four it was in Serbian, two thousand five it was in Montenegro, and two thousand six they didn't participate. Um, 
and uh yeah i have to wonder if they would have done what like belgium does where like they just kind of switch off every year um but again that was only for two years and then prior to that uh like when they were part of yugoslavia there seemed to be some sort of rotation do you think they're going i mean i guess every performer goes for the win when they perform at eurovision that seems like an obvious statement but sometimes you, I've seen some more, I don't want to say gimmicky, but it feels like, you know, something less, you know, finals of a music singing contest. And it's like, do you think that Serbia was really going, going for the win with a, with a, with a song written and performed like that? I think Serbia is one of the countries that takes the contest very seriously and that mm-hmm. uh, I I don't recall any of their entries really being like joke entries or um, I don't know, yeah. like the, the, the category of entry that like dust in the turkey or uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just the ones where it's just being like, mm, Eurovision, we have some opinions and we want you to hear them, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, sure. like it, it, um, I would agree with you that it feels like they take the contest seriously. Yeah, and, and they have I a mean, very strong track record as well. So I think I think there's also some pride in that. I don't think there's anything wrong try, of trying to win a contest. That seems as if it was the name of the game. Mm. Uh, you know, if while you're competing, why not try to win? People, people, a lot of effort went into it, and uh, but no, like certainly you could really see, like I mean, that was I mean, that's I actually kind of enjoy the fact that they, uh, you know, they they perform with a, and like it seems like some countries may think they're in it every year. They're like, you know what, let's just try something and see what sticks, and who knows, maybe it'll hit. And uh, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having a good, you know, ballad type song on a yearly basis. That's a very uh, nice thought. Well, you yeah, know, and I, I think. I like that you've called out like how minimal the staging is because I think of the three entries we watch, it's the one that sort of doesn't do a lot of sort of stage gimmickry of any sort. Ben, that's apparently that's that's obvious if you've seen the video yeah. that uh, the <laughs> yes that the Serbian one does not use uh, a lot of stage uh, presence, which is you know a lot of it is the the song and the performance and you know some there's some uh, not really acting but some you know movement with mm-hmm. the the five other, uh, you know, five other people on the stage, but certainly uh, it is the less, the most minimal of the three we saw, no doubt. Yeah, like the, the focus is on the song. And it was a good mm-hmm. one. All right. So the next one in the lineup uh, comes from Ukraine and it's uh, Verka Serduchka's Dancing Lasha Tumbai. <laughs> sit down now after standing for the ukrainian national anthem and <laughs> now chris have you have you encountered this song before that you're aware of i have not uh this this seemed like a very this this song seemed new to me uh i did a little bit of research where i learned i mean afterwards that apparently it was it is a song that is in the ether it is out there yes like have you seen uh the the melissa mccarthy movie spy no, I have I mean, I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. And uh, I was just kind of reading on about I was like I was inspired. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then I look at the I look at the plot of the movie, and apparently this song is a part of the movie. The song, and yes, I, I was I saw that movie a, in the theater, 
And w- during the scene where Verkus or Duchka pops up and just like, is this happening? That is, is this a joke that's, that's wa- like explicitly for me that this person is here and that they're performing this yeah. song? Like that's it. I was like, I was shocked to find out that the song is featured in a chase scene. It's like, wow, this is this is an actual it, it, that song is a plot point in a major Hollywood. I mean, movie, I'm just which, I'm just assuming you know, that that Paul Fagg, who directed the and I think did some of the level of the writing on the movie was a was just like a fan of this song. It's like as long as we're doing like sort of a a, a spy capery romp sort of a deal in Europe. Why not see if Verkus or Duchka is available? And it does add a certain manicness to the scene. It, it uh. really, like the, it's a it's a like it's very it's up there with like a yakety sax in terms of sort of manic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Chris, uh, what 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 were your impressions of this performance? All right, so uh, the song. I mean, I think this the previous song was just so strong. I. I was like, all right, if, if you have to follow that song with a new one. And uh, this was certainly more poppy than the one before. And uh, you could really tell anyway they were uh, the way they were singing and the way they were performing. I want to say that one, I'm a wizard. And two, the reason why I'm a wizard is because in my notes of describing uh, this, the, the, the group here, it's, I wrote down that they looked like they were, uh, they worked at iridescent airlines. And the, the way that their <laughs> uniforms looked was they were 10 man workers on an air in an airline with the way they had like the, the two part hat, mm. whatever that's called, like the, I want to call it like a Krispy Kreme hat, but it's, you know, the, the standard, like, you know, uh, steward, you know, steward, stewardess type airline. And it was just like, it was very shiny. It was no, they were, I'm sure a laser pointer shine at them would reflect all over the arena. Right. It was, uh, it was, it was some loud costuming. I haven't seen, I mean, besides actually wearing flood lamps, that was about as shiny and bright as you could get as, uh, as costumes existed. It was actually wearing like tinfoil yeah. as your as clothes, which is respectable. Yeah, that's usually how I see uh, like cosplay of that executed, where it's just like head to toe in tinfoil. So <laughs> I just love that these two songs exist directly next to one another in in actual Eurovision, just because Molitva is like very much sort of the the respectable Eurovision of like no 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 like they're the songs are very good the songs sort of pull from from folk music traditions and then you also have things like dancing lost Chumbai, where it's like but also it's very fun and very gifable and i mean there's really if it is a random you said it was a random order as opposed to like, like an alphabetical order but a little random order that's just how the list goes they certainly don't have any preset you know the set list isn't you know set in any way you can have Things juxtaposing like that, where it just jumps out at you how different two songs can be. Exactly, and like in and, in much of the last decade or so, uh, the running order has been selected by the the producers. They will now do a drawing for which half of a semifinal or which half of the or which position half of the final you'll be in. But uh, for like the first part of the two thousands, it was just sort of, and for a while, it was just like a random draw of like, well, this is the order of the songs. People know the songs. But you, I mean, now especially before the contest. So when is the order set? When do how? I mean, y'all are experts at this. When when was that random order set? Uh, if I recall, the last time that they did the random drawing, it happened. There's uh the meeting of uh, delegates in mid March, uh, which is when all of the songs are turned in uh, for grading, and then uh like all all of the sort of final well. 
mid to final preparations are made and the drawing happens then um and th- and then after the semifinals uh well the the drawing for the semifinals will happen then and then uh a- after each of the semifinals they would have a drawing at the press conference immediately following the semifinal to draw the positions in the final uh sure I, right. i'm yeah. not i'm not sure what the exact timeline was in 2007. I can't imagine it being all that different, but... Uh. Right, because I think at least in part the reason they do that drawing is just for figuring out the schedule of who is rehearsing when. Right, right. And then also to give the stage crew a chance to figure out how they're going to move everything in 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah, figure out, okay, how are we going to get the gigantic hamster wheel off of the stage and get the two giant water tanks onto the stage in mm-hmm. 12 seconds? Yeah. Right, and, and it's really all about the, the stage hands, making sure they can, you know, execute all that. I was kind of wondering, because, I mean, having Serbia and then Ukraine back-to-back like this, I wonder who was the first person to think, that's going to be something. To just to mentally note that those two songs, you know, would be back-to-back to each other. Just uh, the the shiny, you know, a shiny Elton John-looking uniform that uh, Verko was performing in, and right after... Uh, you know the Serbia's you know ballad type song, which is you know that's just the how it shakes out. You know that is the how Eurovision works. In my research, I did discover an award called the Barbara Dex Award, which oh, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how loaded of a topic that is. Uh, uh, it'll be a topic of a future episode this season, but um... sure, but. But I was I I discovered that award exists and B that uh, Ukraine won it in two thousand seven. So there is uh there's that and you know but it was they were shiny. That was the important thing mm-hmm. is how how shiny Ukraine was. They 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 shone brightly. I don't know. Every time I watch the song though, I do love just like how anarchic it gets and just like how it keeps it keeps doing key changes. It keeps doing key changes. People keep running around the stage. It's just a lot in the best way. So I guess a lot in the maybe not as best way uh (laughs) speaking of a lot (laughs) yeah yeah the the last one in this set uh comes from united kingdom and scooch and it's flying the flag in brackets for you So Chris, uh, what 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 are, what are your thoughts on this one? That America got out of Britain in 1776 was probably a good time to avoid, you know, being represented by that. Uh, that was truly a song. It I I was excited that my set of three would round out with the United Kingdom, and I was like, uh, all right, that's really good. So you know, it's gonna be an English English language song. And I was looking forward to seeing what, I mean, I know that apparently the UK doesn't do as well at Eurovision as they have in the past. And, and some, I want, I, I don't know all the politics, you know, behind, you know, people voting for other people and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I, I try to give people like a fair shake at things. I thought I listened to it. And, uh, that was just too much. And I, I don't even know who it's for. Like, I don't know who wants this song. It, it, no, no one wants or needs this song. I thought at the beginning of the song, it was going to be, I mean, the name of the song is Fly the Flag for You. And I thought, I don't, can y'all answer me the question, what 
flag? What is the flag and who does it represent? What flag are they flying and for who? Because the if you watch the performance, the flag clearly seems to be the the Union Jack, the not the UK flag. Mm. That's the only the only flag in question. They have some uh, fake furniture in their set that looks has flags on it. But the lyrics, and I, I thought I'd look at the lyrics to figure out if I've missed anything from the just all the stuff coming at me. And there is no, it's just nonsense words. Like the entire song is just syllables and it means nothing. There's no anything behind it. And they just keep saying we're flying the flag and they never explain, you know, they just, they just talk about how they've traveled. And it is, um, as I said before in the previous song, I am a wizard because I somehow predicted, you know, I said iridescent airlines was where Ukraine was from. It turns out, I was exactly right predicting the United Kingdom was uh, in their, I guess, British Airways uniforms as they uh, as they dressed the way they did. And it was actually, um, and actually was that. Uh, I don't know if either of y'all picked up on it. There seemed to be innuendo in in the song. Um, yes. Really? Does <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm going to, for example, for any of the listeners, I can. Uh, just read out uh, a stanza. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, your exits are here, here and here. To fasten your seatbelt, insert the fitting. To use the life vest, slip it over your head. Pull firmly on the red cord and blow into the mouthpiece. And they are saying these words, looking right into a camera, and with uh, a appropriate accoutrement to you know round out what it looks like. And it's clearly... Uh, I don't think it's about uh, flying flags. It seems to be about something different. And I was just wondering, uh, Ben and Mike, is is this something Eurovision uh, viewers want or need? Is this uh, well, well, I mean, coyness? It, it's the, it's the issue that I have with this entry, and and it's. So in 2014, Poland uh, sent this song called Slavic Girls, and the staging for that features uh, rather buxom milkmaids uh, churning butter. And it's the same. Well, no, it's it's not it, the same, though, it's because not, like, that's. It, yeah, like it's 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 just as full of innuendo. But what but, Poland. But Poland was, was trying to, like, to be sexy. Yeah, like there was. And I don't know what what the actual difference is. Like, why did Poland work? Why did this not work? Well, okay, why so did the, Dancing Lasha Tumbai so, work? Why didn't this work? Okay, like, so p what Poland was doing, actively and actually sexy, like they were aiming for that and they hit it on the nail. What hmm. the BB, what what the Brits were doing in two thousand seven is they're doing kind of like a cheeky "Are you being served?" sort of a humor. We've all watched like an old. Are you being served on PBS, right? Or mm -hmm. is that just a me thing? I am aware of its work. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. I, it, it's just like yeah. we we've we've all watched like a seventies like Britcom on on a PBS late at night because it's what they have in their library. Mm -hmm. And some of the jokes are like, "Wow, that's a, is this a family program?" And like it wasn't. But also, Eurovision is a family program, so like the UK is trying to play up some of that cheekiness, except. That's not like a universal humor sort of a thing. That's like a probably a UK thing. UK is going to love that. Maybe Ireland because Did Ireland also has has produced programs like that. Uh, Malta just likes the UK and 
and just gives them points anyway. So for nations where they have probably seen like that sort of very sort of cheeky 70s sort of a haha, we're making a we're making a very obvious innuendo, they're gonna love it. But like the majority of Europe does not have this same shared sense of humor. So like that's why it falls flat. I'll even say as a, a joke telling uh format, I don't even think it lands that way. I'm shocked that the ramping up of the uh, non uh, just scatting syllables they had. So it starts out with the que- uh, the tenant duty free madam. That's the first qu- that's the first really non you know ad lib phrase. Mm-hmm. The second phrase is some salted nuts, sir, which of course you know we're getting funnier here. Uh, the third one is the paragraph I read out a moment ago that ended, you know, blow into the mouthpiece. And uh, the last one before the end that we hear is, would you like something to suck on for landing, sir? Which is, again, a sentence said during a song, which is... You <laughs> These know, are the actual lyrics sense. of the song. That is, like, that is, like, is that a thing in flying? Because I have never encountered that. I, I, I do not understand the question and I refuse to respond, so... <laughs> That's 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 the exact that's the exact right uh, level to take there, um, and I guess I mean there. I, mean, I guess but there's a difference between like the milkmaid fantasy and the stewardess fantasy, which is all weird thing to which is which to, is to, to which is also loud. a flavor of fantasy you can have. Now that I think about it, it, it is that is a thing that exists. Like, bo- both of know. these things exist as like a sexy Halloween costume. There's like sexy milkmaid, <laughs> sexy flight attendant. <laughs> Sexy Verka Serduka, etc. I think, but I mean, I think the real true point is there is there is nothing sexy about flying. I swear, <laughs> I have. Especially in 2007. Especially in 2007. Oh, God. Flying is the most soulless activity you can do. You have to be the... It takes four more hours than the actual thing itself, which is flying. And it's hot, sweaty, cramped, long, dull, boring, and, you know, headacheful. And it's just like, good Lord. And it's just... So it's just like... I love him doubling down on, like, the idea that flying is sexy because it's not. And, uh... But no, and like having innuendo like that, no one asked for it. No one needed it. And uh, Scooch got scooched uh, all the way, apparently, to, uh, you know, their fellow uh, British Isles friend, Ireland, and the Maltese. Oh. And, uh, you know. Also, uh, Eurofans on Twitter don't at me about this, but what kind of a band name is Scooch? Eh, it was the mid-2000s. It was the like, mid-2000s. Yeah. We were throwing whatever <laughs> words we had available. Um yeah. Oh, goodness. The Guardian noted that the song was, in terms of Eurovision, outdated and similar to Bucks Fizz winning entry in 1981. Bucks ah. Fizz till the, till the heat death of the universe. Have you ever heard of a book called Coffee, Tea, or Me? Yes. Is this a... Okay. I uh, think it pops up Mike, on, like, Mad Men, too. Because, like, th- this feels like they're aiming for, like, a Mad Men sort of a fun, sexy, mm, 60s vibe. But... Right. This is, like, whenever you see, like, the Pan Am style that's always just the, you know that's the, the mad men era mm-hmm. exactly right and but yeah coffee tea and me is this uh america i think it's american memoir about it's, well i think it's fictional about stewardesses that have uh hot you know various we'll call it hijinks going on you know behind the scenes and clearly this is what this song was trying to you know that same attitude of flying which is just not how flying works and uh but no this was just this it was you know, I believe in the United Kingdom. I like to root for the United Kingdom when I can't root for America. And uh, I was like, you know what? Maybe they're not as bad as they, they, the, the stereotype is 
And then they did that. And, <laughs> and then like, this happened, and yes. Yeah, I guess, you know what, you're, that's what it is. That's, that's what they're known for. And that's why, I don't know, maybe if you could just do a power ballot each year, maybe you would be taken more seriously than having this, I don't know, v- vaudevillian uh, three-minute sketch song about, you know, about flying. And, uh, but no, that was... And I, I like that. I read the reading of the song on Wikipedia, saying it was a, the reviews say it was a crash landing. It was like, yeah, that that's right. That's pretty on the nose. So that one probably won't be getting your twelve points. No, it did not earn my twelve points. Uh, I guess I will say this was two thousand seven, which means a uh, lost was on. So <laughs> I would, uh, I would, I would. Uh, so I'm a quick plug for lost because I'm always going to defend lost whenever mm-hmm. I can. So it's sad. It's sad to see that not all airplane media of the uh, <laughs> mid two thousands. Isn't as good as Lost because clearly uh, flying the flag for you is not. They were not flying it for me because it's still not even explain what the flag is. Well, and and that's another thing. Like because uh, particularly during selection season, all of the blogs will be like whenever a country like makes their selection, they'll be like, oh, so and so is flying the flag for Croatia. So and so is flying the flag for whatever country. And I don't know mm. if that sentiment existed before this song or if this song is now the seo for <laughs> for those sort of posts <laughs> well that's a, that's a very good point i had not thought about that just like how uh, often we see that in in eurovision headlines is this it's... yeah so like i don't know if they're if like this song is in response to that sentiment and it's just like oh we'll, we'll just like use this phrase that's very common for eurovision and then turn it into this very misguided sitcom pilot and i just like to think they were clearly fishing for votes because i mean london to berlin all the way from paris to Tallinn, helsinki (laughs) on to prague don't matter where we are i I feel like just Uh, like listing a bunch of city names is a strategy that you can take i don't think it has worked well yeah it did not work for dustin the turkey the following year uh Because, I mean, think about how, I don't want to call it a country, how shallow a country would have to be. Be like, oh, they mentioned us. We should vote for them. That doesn't seem like a viable strategy <laughs> to earn votes. Like, to, you know, put your put the, the other country's name in your song. That seems like a good waste of your song, you know. And, and it turns out they uh, did not earn any country votes. No yes, country that, no country mentioned that is name. mentioned in the lyrics of the song gave them points. Nope, and that is unfortunate. So oh, that is that yeah. is hilarious. I didn't even think to check back on that. Yeah, because they they yeah they don't mention Malta. Hmm. Oh man, I just uh, really want to I just really want to make a map and add it to the Wikipedia page now, highlighting the co- countries mentioned in the song, countries which gave which gave the UK points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the Venn diagram is two circles that do not overlap. <laughs> do not overlap. Just, Oh goodness! So it's it sounds like you did some pretty heavy research on these entries. So you know the rundown of how they finished out in two thousand seven. Uh, I did find out their final results. I don't have like the the other uh, the other members of two thousand seven, but I right. did look up how the three songs that I viewed uh, would end up finishing, and uh, they spread they spread the table is what they yes. did. The, yeah. Uh, do you do you agree with that rundown? The, the rundown being uh, Serbia, of course, winning, Ukraine finishing in second, and United Kingdom tying for uh, was it twenty second or twenty third? Uh, however, the, somewhere so, 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 somewhere downstairs. So <laughs> they tied for twenty second with France, and then Ireland placed twenty fourth. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
I mean, there's there's I guess there's something called being last. But if they if the number of competitors is in the twenties and your final place is in the twenties, that's basically mm-hmm. last place. Uh, you can call it what you want. Uh, certainly, I would rank of the three rankings of first, second, and third of the three we saw. I would agree with the order we put them in. Uh, I am uh, pleased that you uh, Ukraine did as well as they did. I guess it was. Uh, I mean, I have not really haven't seen the other performers of the year, but certainly it was, you know, it was very, it was good. It wasn't that, that poppy uh, sense of, you know, Eurovision that I have seen, you know, when, you know, when I've uh, been with y'all and it's clearly, uh, you know, they definitely enjoyed it. And I, I don't know how the, the final was, how close again was that final vote from first and second? Uh, it was about a 30 point difference. Uh, so like. Close-ish, but uh, I mean, compared to other uh, first and second place divisions, like it, it has certainly been closer. So, sure. So, well done to Ukraine uh, for ending as strong as they mm-hmm. did. I think that's the in terms of the three. I'm not sure. Sh- I mean, there's no shock that Serbia did as well as they did. It's no shock that I can did as poor as they did. I guess well done to Ukraine for um, ending as high as they did. Uh, Chris, where can people find you? The best place to find me is you can go to twitter.com slash ckingsc, letter C, word king, initials SC, and you can find out all about the things I have to tweet about. It's very invigorating stuff. Geography is often a thing, so if you're a fan of Europe, you probably will like... uh, You'll probably like uh, my Twitter feed. My current Twitter uh, banner is currently as a, a map of Europe. So there you go. Real true connection there. It's more of the, it highlights the rivers in Europe that have crossword names, but you know, Europe's a great continent as, as listeners of this, uh, listeners of this podcast would know. So please find me at Twitter. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Eurowhat. Thanks for listening. The Eurowhat podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me. And Mike McComb. That's me. Uh, you can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on Twitter and Instagram at eurowhat. You can subscribe to the eurowhat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing and help other Eurovision fans find us. Next time on the eurowhat, it's part two of our 12 minutes experiment as we test out these three performances on someone completely new to Eurovision. 